Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app breadbox. Do you have a great idea for a podcast but not sure where to start? Neither did we until someone recommended Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Then Anchor distributes your podcast for you to Apple, Spotify, and more. They even pair you with sponsors so you can make money with your podcast with no minimum listenership. And all of it is free. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Praised be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. I'm Alexandra Sullivan. And I'm Father Connolly. Welcome to Raising Saints, Helping Kids Hear God's Voice. We're a priest and a mom who are eager to do our best to answer kids' questions about God, the church, the faith, and more. Most importantly, to help them to grow in their relationship with God and ultimately hear His voice. Hello, Mrs. Sullivan. How are you? I am. I'm doing okay. Yes. How, how are you? How's all that gang there behind you? Well, we're great. I mean, we're, we're hanging in. I think we're surviving so far the self-distancing and the home quarantine um, because we have fun things like technology like this. And you'll mm-hmm. see we, have, we brought our friends along today. So the Sullivan yeah. is here. And then our very good friends, the Zogs. And we have known the Zogs for a very long time. Caitlin, the oldest here, is my goddaughter. Um, and her beautiful brother and sister, they're like family to us. So we call them our fake cousins because we don't <laughs> have cousins, do we, right? We don't. We don't. No, we have one cousin. So the Zogs are, are, are our surrogate cousins. So we are all together today, and we're going to be talking 
coronavirus, quarantine, population yeah. of masses. How are you doing as a priest with all this? It's very strange. It's, it's very strange and it's hard to stay positive. Um, just my honest answer, it, it, it has been really difficult um, to keep a positive attitude about everything, but I know that that is what uh, God would want me to do right now because we just have to keep moving forward, right? We have to take care of all of the things we have to take care of in this new way. And I think we're going we're gonna to talk about how we're doing that, right? And how it's affecting all of us, both we, the priests here in the parish, and you, your families at home. But, um, so yeah, the, the last, last week, so we were talking earlier, and I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe, and it's not even been a week yet. No. Right? Right. So it you feels like, uh, you know, we've been sort of uh, apart for so long. But we haven't. It's just been a couple of days. But um, so it was last Saturday, at least here in the Archdiocese of New York, this message went out just a few hours before we would have had our Saturday evening mass, anticipating Sunday's mass, um, saying that due to the, the the pandemic, the coronavirus outbreak, we need to suspend the public celebration of Mass. So I heard about that happening in other seasons, but I, I had just actually finished talking with another friend of mine, another priest, saying, well, thank God we're not doing that. I'm sure that's not going to happen in New York. You know, it's just, you know, don't have to worry about that. So you get that email, it's like getting punched in the gut. You know, I mean, here's our bread and butter. Um, this is our life. This is the, the everything. And uh, to not have mass with the people was very strange. So then, in my naivete, I'm thinking to myself, all right, so one weekend, hmm. one week without mass with the people, it's going to be okay. We'll, we'll think of something. Obviously, we all know now it's looking like it's going to be a lot more than one weekend. Um, so that brings with it uh, a Definitely a very real sadness. Um, I, I, I'm sad not to be with all of you for Mass, and, and I miss you all very much, um, especially I think of our dear parishioners who are so accustomed to come to Mass every day. Um, their lives in that sense have been upended. Um, that's the sadness to it. But can I also say that in a way it's brought a great um, – in a sense, a great joy, too, because I'm noticing a really intense spiritual growth happening, even in just these few days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I haven't been on Facebook for a couple of months. Right. Uh, really enjoying that. A <laughs> uh, little uh, solitude. But I came back to social media to sort of how I can still be with the people, at least in some virtual way. And I've been so overjoyed to see the amount of priests who have been reaching out to their flock through yeah. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and using the, the, the media which uh, the world has given us with technology, um, but also not just to see the witness of these priests, um, 
who will not be deterred, right? They, they go out anyway and find new and creative ways to reach out to their people. Um, and I've been praying for Fulton Sheen's intercession in that way, right? He is the master of, of using the media. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but also the response of the people. Week after week, I've been frustrated by the folks who seem to just stroll into Mass a half hour late every Sunday, and it seems like people don't care. We're leaving early. We're, we're showing up late. We're not reverently receiving Holy Communion. We're talking in the church. All these things that were really weighing on me and, and beginning to really frustrate me as a priest, trying to lead people into an encounter with Jesus and then see that's their response. Very frustrating. But in just these few days, I've seen that turn around like you wouldn't believe. Um, well, you would believe it. You see it too. You're also on. People are much more vocal, aren't they? You know, just like yeah. reaching out, saying thank you. I, this is so helpful to me, or just even putting their own, you know, their own faith out there um, on social networks. It's it. Yeah, yeah it's a big difference. So one one comment uh, that I read from a parishioner of ours has stood out to me, and I'm never going to forget it. And um, and this isn't anyone. He, he's a he's a a beloved son of the Lord, right? He's a great, great person and um, a, a beautiful parishioner, but this isn't someone who would be your parish council chair or, you know, involved in every single thing. Like we would think maybe there's a certain class of parishioner who's going to be really interested and then the rest would just kind of flow. No, 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 this is just a faithful mass going Catholic who commented on Facebook, I never want to forget the pain I experienced this weekend, mm. forced to miss mass. I pray that I never take it for granted again. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I That's think God's taking something really messed up and turning it into something beautiful. That's the only stuff. But yes. that's how. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen much of the same. I really have. People who you're not expecting to participate or, or to be moved to participate are are reaching out in different ways so yeah it's, i think i think there are going to be real fruits from all of this which yeah. i think we'll talk about in a little bit knowing what samantha's question is right so we can come maybe come back to that would you um yeah. before we do questions would you lead us in prayer yes absolutely in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit okay. amen in a time like this, when we're struggling to, to find words of our own, let us trust in the words Jesus gave us and pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son. We're going to let Nathan go first and then you can go second. Okay. So I'm going to introduce Nathan. He's going to start with his question Who tells the priest that they have to close the church and why are churches closing at different times? All right, Nathan. Good question. So, <laughs> There's a, a sort of a structure that 
takes place when, within the church and within each diocese, which is a fancy word for a, a territory, right? Or you might think of it like a household. Um, so in a sense, we have this kind of a structure in a, in a family, right? That you know that when mom and dad tell you something, there's sometimes when they're suggesting, hey, it might be nice if you went out and played in the backyard for a while. There's other times when they're telling you, you better go clean your room right now. And they have that authority, right? Mom and dad, they're the, they're the boss at home. So they, when they tell you that, you listen. Um, a real fancy word for that is called hierarchy, right? So um, in this hierarchy in the church, we have um, the priest. Above the priest is the bishop. But even within the parish, there's, so in here at St. Columba, um, in our parish, we have two of us, right? Myself and the pastor. Now, he's the boss here at St. Columba. When he tells me, uh, he doesn't tell me to clean my room, but if he told me to do something, I better do it. Uh, that's in the parish. Then in the diocese or the territory, the, the household, if you will, of the archdiocese of New York, um, there are the priests, the bishops, the auxiliary bishops, assistant bishops, right, the helpers, um, the bishops who help Cardinal Dolan do his visits and take care of other business and things that he has to do. Ultimately, at the top is, uh, is Cardinal Dolan. He's our archbishop. Um, so in other dioceses, you might have um, not an archbishop, but a bishop, just based on the size of the diocese, size of that particular household. Um, they might or might not be cardinals. Um, that's just another title. It means he wears red and, and he can vote for the next pope. <laughs> so Cardinal Dolan, Timothy Michael Cardinal Dolan, is the Archbishop of New York. He is our boss. His boss is Pope Francis, and ultimately, all of our the boss of all of us is is Jesus, right? But um, so when something like this happens, and this is the first time it's happened, like that's something else we have to um, put into perspective that this has never happened before. I've been a priest only two years, but. Um, our pastor, Father Michael, he's been a priest 40 years, and I know others have been priests longer. They say, when, we never remember this ever happening that we've been told to suspend public celebration of the Mass. You might say that we have a concern, so if you can't come, you're not sinning, right? It would be you're dispensed, you're allowed not to come, but we would still do it. So this uh, suspension of public Mass right, this time of saying, no, the people can't come to the church, that comes right down from the very top from Cardinal Dolan, who is ultimately our boss. So now the, these kids are in Massachusetts, so there right. has a different boss. So they um, didn't close the same time we did. Oh, so that's part of the question. Thank you. Yes, yeah. They had mass last weekend, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they were able to go this past Sunday. Yeah. Um, I'm jealous. You, has it been canceled now, guys? Yes. yes. Yeah. So why, why do you think Cardinal Dolan canceled before other places? Oh. So different places 
have been, uh, you know, making this decision at different times. Um, most practically just because each place has a different bishop with authority in that particular place. And so if he decides we're going to have mass this weekend, that's his decision. And so, but um, I think the main reason is because of the actual health concern in that place. Mm. So now this has pretty much touched the entirety of the United States. Yeah, right? I think now every diocese is closed across. Yeah. The yeah. Um, whereas a week ago, it might have just been the case that it was more dangerous in New York than it was in Massachusetts. Um, so that would be why different places decide at different times. But let's say Pope Francis decided, that's it. I'm so concerned for all of my beloved uh, people in the United States. He actually could say, as of you know this day, this time, uh, all of you in the United States, no public mass, right? Right. Then all of us would have to do it at the same time. That hasn't happened, but now I think just by circumstance, right? The, the different issues have right. come. Yeah. Um, is that good, Nathan? Yes, thank you. All right, God bless you, Matthew. Um, John is going to ask his question next. All right, John. What will I do if my Holy Communion is canceled? Right. Oh, first Holy Communion. Yeah. May 2nd was supposed to be First Holy Communion. Yeah. So, First Holy Communion. First of all, it will not ever be canceled. Right? I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, but the word of reassurance, there's no way that First Holy Communion will ever be canceled. We might move the date, right? That would be something that might happen. Um, if that happens... If we're still really concerned about everyone's health by May 2nd and we're not having public mass yet by then, um, I pray that we are. Yeah. But, but if we're not, then we'll just move it to another day and we'll say, you know what? Uh, we've waited seven years. We can, we can wait a few more weeks. And then you're going to have a beautiful, beautiful First Holy Communion. All right, and then a second, and a third, and a fourth. <laughs> and the, there is a plus here, because his mother has not bought him a suit yet. Oh. So he won't grow out of one. <laughs> who's, who's your mother? Tell her to buy you a suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so postponement. Actually, all the confirmations were postponed until the fall, right? That is correct. So again, I like that word too. So even even when, for the most part, we've been talking about the cancellation of masks too, right? And, and all right, bye, John. <laughs> but um, I think I think postponement is a, a better word, right? We're putting it off for a later time, but also just in terms of mass in general, I want to reassure you all: uh, mass is not canceled, right? Unfortunately. Very sadly, we're not allowed to have the people come to the church. So it feels like it's canceled. But I promise you, I promise you that we, your priests, uh, your spiritual fathers, are celebrating these masses. And, and we're doing that on your behalf, right? So just that's just as an aside. Uh, something that we can do is, you know, we can unite our prayers together spiritually, right? And so I might say, um, you know what? I, I really, I want to pray right now with the Zogs out in Massachusetts. And they're so far 
hey, we're not together right now, but but I unite my heart to theirs. I unite my prayers to theirs, and uh, and we pray together in that way. So I promise you that your priests are celebrating this. <clears throat> so just unite yourselves to us in that way until we're back together in church. Okay, but yeah, so not canceled. Um, but and you know what? A silver lining to that cloud, if First Holy Communion is postponed, right? Think about how badly you want to receive Holy Communion now, right? You've been waiting, you've been you've been learning and praying, and how beautiful May second will be. If you have to do more weeks, that's going to make that desire in your heart grow even more, and it's going to make that celebration even more beautiful when you finally have it, right, John? Right, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Madeline, do you want to go next? Yeah. Sure. Why do we wait? Why do you have have to close the church because it's Jesus's home? Did you hear her? Yeah. Let's just repeat it. He said, "Why did we close?" Why do you have to close the church because it's Jesus's home? Right. It's Jesus's home. So that's sad. Yeah, right? He says, knock, and the door shall be open to you. And, you know, I'm knocking, and this door's not open. It's, it's sad. It's, um... Peter, unlock the doors. Yeah. Thank you, man. We've got to unlock that darn door. And I think, what we're, I think that's what we're trying to do. Um, so you're right. This is Jesus' home, and, and, and he wants us all to be together with him there. So it doesn't make sense that, that we can't be. Um, but Jesus also wants us all to be okay. He wants us all to be healthy. Uh, and this, you know, this coronavirus situation, the situation is sort of an understatement, right? Uh, Mrs. Sullivan, you will attest, I was among the cynics at first. I was among the doubters, the haters. I was saying, Oh, this is a whole lot of baloney. This is oh, this is, love you, right? Yeah, I said this is um, you know not going to really affect us very much here, and I, I've been proven wrong. No, it's affecting us very much here. Um, the situation is that a lot of people are getting very sick. Now that's frightening, right? You're very safe with your families and in your homes. You're very very safe, um, but that's the way. Uh, that we want to keep it, right? And so that's what the bishops are saying by not having big crowds of people come together. And not just for us in church, this is for our whole communities, right? I think the only things open now are the, the grocery store, um, yeah. the gas station. But um, the problem would be if people in these large groups get together, some of them might be sick, might have this coronavirus, and maybe not know it. Right. They might say, I feel great. I've never felt better. You know, I'm fine. But it could be that actually they're not, and then they could pass that on to someone else and to someone else and to someone else. And then the problem goes much, much longer and gets much, much worse. So it's sort of like hitting a reset button. Right. Maybe that's a decent analogy, right? We're kind of, or maybe a pause button. 
or both. I don't know, pause and then reset. But so let me ask you, Father Connolly. We know that Jesus is present in the Eucharist in the tabernacle, but yeah. maybe this is a time for us to pay attention to Jesus present in our hearts and in the hearts of the people around. Oh, sure. Right? right, because the other home of Jesus. Right. So um, a lot of, we, we, rightly so, we focus on Jesus and the Eucharist, but often we forget to look at the people around us as Jesus as well. So yeah. this could be an opportunity for us to practice that more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you bring up a good point, though, too. So kids, you know, um, let's review, right, the Eucharist. After the consecration at Mass, right, after the priest has done this, is there bread and wine on the altar? No. Mm. Oh, oh, man, you're so good. What's that? Element and the Zog. So what's on the altar then, or who is on the altar? Good, Madeline. Very good, the body and blood of Jesus, right? After the consecration, after the, this is my body, this is my blood. There's no more bread and wine there, and that's the real presence of Jesus. So you might also say sacramental presence. He's there really in the sacrament of the Eucharist. That, as Mrs. Sullivan was saying, as Godmother Alexandra was saying, um, that's his Eucharistic, his sacramental presence. He's also present, not in the same exact way, right? He's not sacramentally present uh, within me, but within each of us, hi Matthew, within each of us, he's really there, he's really alive, right? When we're baptized, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come and live within us. So, yes, I think that's a beautiful point. Um, Maybe we can take this time to ask God to help us recognize his presence uh, as he is living each of us. He tells us that our bodies should be temples of the Lord, right? Because he lives within us. Beautiful. This guy, where did he come from? The faces. <laughs> Not wrong. Not wrong. Okay, who's next? Sullivan? Me. Or Samantha? Um, Samantha, let's do yours last. It's kind of a deep question, okay? All right, Matthew. Matthew's going to go. Side conversation here. No, no, he can say it. Are they going to find the Eucharist? No. Are they going to find a way to give people Eucharist? Hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. That's a great question. Are we going to find a way to give people the Eucharist? Well, generally speaking, no. Not until we're back at, you know, open for business for public mass and all that. Um, so in the meantime... Well, first, let me just say, um, this this really doesn't apply to any of you, Sullivan's and, and Zogs, but um, many of our many of our good people in our parishes, they might be sick or they might be older or in the hospital, and maybe they need to receive the anointing of the sick. Maybe uh, they're coming pretty close to the end of 
this, their life on earth, and they're getting ready to go home to God in heaven. And so we absolutely will still go visit those folks and bring them to the sacrament of the anointing of the sick and, and even Holy Communion if they're able to receive right. Holy Communion. Um, the rest of us, we simply have to um, offer this sacrifice, right, and endure this time, which is it's tough to not have the Eucharist. Um, but what we can do is the act of spiritual communion, right? You guys learn this? Has your mom and dad taught you this? How to, how to receive Holy Communion spiritually? No. no. Oh, okay, Liz, so pay attention to this. So an act of spiritual communion, that's when we can't physically receive Jesus in Holy Communion, but we make this prayer. And so it's not a hard and fast prayer that, you know, you have to, like the Our Father, Jesus gave us those words. So we can't make up our own, Our I mean, we can, but it wouldn't be the Our Father as Jesus taught us, right? This prayer, we can use whatever words really help us to make this prayer, but you might say this, Lord Jesus, I know that you are present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. I know you are really there. And I so receive you. Though I cannot receive you physically in the sacrament of the Eucharist right now, I pray that you fill my soul with your grace as if I have already received you. Never let me be parted from you again. Amen. Okay, so something like that would be a beautiful way to receive him, not physically, but but spiritually and you could do that so when you watch mass on sunday with your parents that's what you would do when we would normally receive holy communion the, the priest may even um may even do a spiritual communion when i watched when we watched on sunday because again we didn't have mass on sunday we watched the cardinal yes. the father Connolly was talking about the cardinal before he cardinal. held not the the who we watched the cardinal say mass and they did have one of the other priests or readers or somebody direct us in in spiritual communion so that's a practice that we'll start start doing now all right matthew might have to leave here for a minute yeah yeah he might have to all right are you ready what do you got for us so, um, since um, Good Friday and Easter are kind of coming up. Wait, wait. Um, Caitlin, I don't know. It went all crazy fuzzy. Start again, okay? Good Friday. Since um, Good Friday and Easter are kind of coming up and mm. the church got closed, what would we do instead? Mm, good question, right? So, you know, tell me, I know you know it, right? What are those three days called? Good Friday. Right, the, and together they make the Easter triduum, right? That fancy word for days. That's, yeah. Holy Week. Right, during Holy Week, the Easter triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. What will we do if, uh, if, if we can't celebrate <coughs> together? Probably something like what we're currently doing. You know, um, the priests will offer Mass privately, and using the technology that we have, we can, we can live stream it right so it's kind of like recording it but you get it right up to date right to the minute as as we're doing it you're seeing it um that would most likely be our response if uh, if we can't all celebrate the um the triduum together then we would probably just do it that way uh, so that at least in your home you can join us in, in that celebration 
Right. Okay. Good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yes, John. Okay. John wants to just make an announcement. Go ahead. This just in. This just in. What did you just realize? Tell him. John's a little shy. He said yesterday was the right in the middle of Lent. Oh. So we're in the Wait, second. Oh. We're in the second half of Lent now. Oh right. Thanks, John. <laughs> so hot. That's a little random tidbit for you. We are recording in the second half of Lent now. Right. <laughs> okay. So Samantha has a question, and you and I can chat a little bit. It's a little bit, a little bit harder to answer, I think. Yeah. Um, why did God give us this hard time if he um, loves us so much and he always wants the best for us? It kind of reminds me of the last episode when we, or a couple episodes ago when we had, why did God create bad guys? It kind of reminds me of that episode, right? Yeah, kind of similar. similar. Reconciling good and evil. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to give it to mom first. What do you think? Well, I think um, in general, God doesn't cause bad things to happen, right? God is all good, and what God does is good. So if something bad happens, it's somehow a result of the fact that we live in a fallen world. Um, in terms of this, I don't really understand how, you know, natural, whatever. Um, but if something bad is happening, God can make use of it for good things. Yeah. So, yeah. like you were saying, you were noticing some positive things happening, some people who are maybe turning back to their faith or deepening their faith or um, coming closer with family um, reconnecting with people. I think there's a lot of positive fruits from all of this. So I think in some ways um, we're already seeing that. And even though there's a lot of tragedy involved, um, God's light shines brighter than all of that. So those are my preliminary thoughts. Yeah, I think of Jesus' own prayer, right? Um, so we might be tempted to think we're alone in this or that we're, we're doubting God if we're, if we're asking this question. But Jesus himself asked the same thing, right? From the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's, that's the Son of God. That's God incarnate. And he even felt that moment of, of feeling forsaken by the Father. Um, so certainly we're not alone in that concern. Um, he didn't want to endure the cross. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, my God, if the Father, if this, uh, you know, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. <coughs> to be a little bit confused, right? Well, is this God's will? He wants us to, to be away from it. He wants us to be stuck at home. He wants us people to be getting sick. Of course not. Right? No, no, no. God only wants good for us. He only wants uh, the best for us. But he allows, he can allow some, some not so good things to happen. Right? Um, I think 
also of the, I forget the word, I forget what it's called, but I think it's something with a K. But anyway, it's this, it's an art form in Japan. Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about? And they'll take something like, let's say, you know, you're really, really beautiful, expensive, you know, um, uh, fanciest dish that you have in your kitchen. And, and if it breaks, you know, it's shattered in all these pieces. They'll take this, it's kind of like glue almost. It's gold, right? Like they, they use gold and, and put the pieces all back together. Now the, the new product is even more beautiful than when it, before it was broken. Yes. It's called Kintsugi, quick. Ah, I thought so. Where they use gold, they use this gold stuff to repair broken things. And so it makes the object more beautiful than it was, like you were saying. So. Yeah. I think God's doing that, too. He's, you know, this is a broken situation. Yeah. Uh, but can always make something very, very beautiful, uh, even more beautiful than we could have imagined out of something that's broken. Uh, I've seen him do it with me. Right. right. In my own life, just considering how imperfect I knowing my sins and, and you know, um, the life that I would have created for myself, left to my own devices, right? My own decisions, my own sins. And, and God can take someone so broken like I am and look, he may be a priest. I mean, I can't even believe it. Most days I wake up and I'm, am I, am I dreaming? You know, this is what an incredible life that I witness a miracle every single day. I mean, think about that. They mass, that's a, a miracle in the Eucharist. That, um, and I'm sure each one of us can say the same thing, right? Um, by ourselves, we're broken, but God enters in and he restores us to beauty, to grace, to, uh, to you know, on the way to perfection, to holiness. Um, Actually, you know, this is a funny little example, but so we live in New York, Sullivan's, and the Zogs live in Massachusetts. And there's three kids with a lot of activities and schoolwork and obligations and dads who go off to work and have full-time jobs and moms who are taking care of everything at home, we very rarely get to see each other, right? Yeah. Isn't it true, guys? Yeah. Like, maybe somebody's birthday, maybe a Christmas, maybe a dance competition, but it's not that much, or a show, but it's not that often. And this past week, we have been on the computer with each other every night. Right? We have a yeah. silly, ridiculous time together that we would never have gotten to do otherwise, right? No. No. Isn't that great? Yeah. 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 That's not to minimize all the, the tough stuff going on or the, the stuff that people are suffering. People are very sick. People are in the hospital. Nurses and doctors are working around the clock. Um, you know, we might get sick. We don't know. So it's not to minimize all those things and, and, um, and to not think about them, but to see, to see God's hand in little things, is, it, this is a great opportunity to start observing those things because I think sometimes we forget about that too. Yeah. For example, I got another example. 
We had no fruit and vegetables in the house the other day. And somebody here was going to the supermarket and brought us all sorts of fruits and vegetables and left it on our porch for us. And then we ate dinner that night and half of our dinner was from stuff that Father Connolly dropped off at our house for us. So we said, Grace, I said, it feels a little different because we are literally saying thank you for these gifts, which we didn't have this morning. So again, just noticing um, in little ways where God is showing up now. Yeah, that Father Connolly sounds like a very kind and handsome guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> this was great. Anything, any last thoughts, guys? Do you know Father Connolly? They are all altar servers at their church. Oh, right. Way to go. Not Madeline, right? No, not me. Okay. It is very funny up there. <laughs> it is very what what makes it so funny? Uh we start laughing. Yeah. Oh when I was an old boy, I would go up to uh, give the priest the sign of peace. And, uh, and we had one priest who was quite the jokester. And he would always look at me and, you know, I, I would try, I'd be so serious. You know, this is my sacred duty as an altar servant. And he would look at me and he would say, peas and carrots or Reese's is <laughs> Something silly. He always got me to laugh. And I yelled at for laughing at mass, but. Not Mrs. Connolly. Did Mrs. Connolly yell at you for laughing? Mom Connolly? Uh, more so dad. Oh, okay. Oh. I think mom was too, uh, just totally in this ecstatic prayer, you know, being as holy as she is. Right. Yeah, but. Also, when we went to the Zogs, um, yeah. we went to Mass with them at 5 o'clock Mass. And they asked us to bring up the gifts, and oh. we were laughing hysterically. <laughs> I remember. Not from being there. Like the priest looked at us like with a serious face, and then I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of face, yes. Yeah. No, like this. He said, "Who dare you laugh in my church?" <laughs> Big on me. <laughs> like this. Oh, oh. Like he didn't find what we were finding funny, funny. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You have, Samantha, you have a sort of elevated sense of humor. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm still putting this on the, on the podcast, by the way. All of this. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that's a good place to wrap up here. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say one, one final word? It is um, your job, so yeah. Although somebody said at lunch, what do you want to tell them what you said at lunch? She's the, the co-host. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> You're the assistant to the one host. One should be the host and one should be the co-host. And I, I, I accept. And she said, well, aren't you the boss of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I 
you do all the work, so. She's the host. <laughs> all right, co-host, please. Oh, thank you for allowing me this privilege. Um, <laughs> I know I just thank to all of you, Sullivans and Zogs, but also anyone who might listen to this, um, young and old, right? Or rather young and less young. Um, on, on behalf of every priest I know, we love you very much. Uh, we're praying for you. I know we're not physically together right now, and that's that's very hard. Um, but we are with you in spirit, and we're praying with you and for you. And uh, good thing God doesn't get tired of hearing from us because he's hearing from us a lot. A lot, yeah. I think that's part of his plan, though. I think he wants to hear from us more, so there we go. All right, so. <laughs> I remember 20 and look at the name. Oh, oh Pete Alonzo. If anyone knows Pete Alonzo, please let us know, because we got a super fan here. <laughs> All right, so until next time. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, send us your questions. Okay, Matthew. Send us your questions. We'll do it. Email.com, Anchor app, Facebook. Yes. And follow us on Facebook because we'll be doing the rosary at one o'clock for the foreseeable future. All right. Sounds good. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Raising Saints. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something about the faith, the church, and God. Most importantly, we hope you've heard God's voice as he calls out to you in love, as he calls you to a friendship with himself, as he calls you to be a saint. Until next time, God bless you. I feel silly trying to make up prayers myself. My mind starts to wander as I'm speaking to God. I just don't have time to pray. Do you recognize yourself in any of these statements? If so, we have a book for you. In Pray Fully, best-selling authors Michelle Fanley and Emily Jaminet share the rewards and frustrations of their own prayer journeys to create a practical guide that combines testimonies, tips, and journaling space to help you spend quality time with God. Whether you want to learn how to pray aloud in a group or stop your mind from wandering during prayer, Fanley and Jaminet have practical advice and the real-life experience to help you overcome obstacles to everyday prayer. Head over to AveMariaPress.com and use code LEARN2PRAY, that's LEARN, the number 2, PRAY, to get 20% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www dot grimbeancoffee.com forward slash 
Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before.